My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At Ren, we really believe that God's Word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. Uh, The kids are in the service today. I read a study recently that said about 15 years ago, our average... um, Ability to, to track information, significant information, uh, was about 12 seconds uh, before we got distracted and we moved on to other things. Uh, they did a, a follow-up study shortly after that. Time magazine released the study about five years ago, and we had gone from 12 seconds, our attention span, to eight seconds, uh, which just means that you don't even know what I just said. Um, <laughs> you guys are already thinking about lunch. And so, and so I thought that... Um, that we could use this this morning because the kids are here and we know how much uh, kids and adults love television, right? Who doesn't love television? When I was a kid, (laughs) we didn't have cool televisions like this. Uh, When I was a little kid, we had a 13-inch black and white television. Uh, We used to uh, put our little bunny ears up and we used to take a metal hanger and hang it on the bunny ears to try to get a picture. I still remember I was in second grade when my parents, for the very first time, brought home a 19-inch color television. It was kind of a, a big, it was a Thursday, a Thursday evening, um, and I, I wish I could say that it changed our lives. It, it didn't, uh, but it was nice having a color TV. Uh, but times were different back then. We didn't have some of the bells and whistles uh, that we have today. Um, back then, I was the remote control. If my parents needed to change the station, they're like, James, uh, go uh, change the station. Uh, we, we didn't have uh, television shows on demand, uh, well, we kind of did. It's just like whatever my parents demanded, I just turned it to that station, and that's what we watched. Uh, if we missed a television show, um, <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, th- we weren't recording it. We weren't watching it 30 minutes later. We weren't pausing our televisions to go to the kitchen to get something to eat so we could come back and watch uh, television. It wasn't like that. It just was very simple. It just was very basic. But I, I like the fact that we've really grown as a society in our television abilities. Like, I love the fact that we can watch things uh, on demand. You can watch multiple shows in a row if you want. If you miss something, you can go back and you can see it. Uh, on demand, when it comes uh, to television, uh, can actually be a good thing, right? It can be a good thing. But uh, on demand, when it comes uh, to Jesus, is actually a, a bad thing. I think sometimes we interact with Jesus or we interact with uh, God the same way that we interact with a television. We, we want something uh, when we want it. We, we can be very demanding uh, with God. We interact with God the same way that we interact with on-demand uh, television. But what we're going to learn today is that while Jesus acts, while Jesus uh, works, he, he doesn't work on-demand. Uh, We're taught this in the book of Mark in the 8th chapter, and so if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 8. We're going to be looking, beginning in verse 11. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 11. Kids, you still tracking with me? (laughs) Let's just close in prayer. We'll be done for the morning. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. 
And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Uh, Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, uh, got into the boat, and went to uh, the other side. Jesus uh, works, but not on demand. Uh, The Pharisees were a group of people during the time of Jesus who were very religious people. They were the spiritual smarty pants of the day. They were the people that others would look up to and look to for spiritual wisdom and guidance. You would think that people like the Pharisees were closest to God, but they were actually seemingly the furthest away. You see, Jesus had done miraculous work in the presence of the people. He had revealed himself to spiritual people like the Pharisees, but uh, they didn't see it. Or maybe they saw it, but they didn't believe. There were times uh, during Jesus' ministry where uh, he healed people, where he uh, healed a man with an unclean spirit. He healed many people who were sick. We read in Mark that he healed a man with leprosy. He healed a paralytic. He healed a man with a withered hand. Jesus calmed a storm. He healed a demon-possessed man. He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He healed a deaf man. He fed the 4,000. He brought a little girl from the dead back to life. He preached and he taught with life-changing power. And yet, despite the fact that many people heard him, Uh, The Pharisees uh, did not believe him. The Pharisees instead looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, we want you to show us a sign. Uh, Jesus, we want you to do something spectacular. Uh, Jesus, on demand, we want you to do something right now to reveal who you are. The Pharisees tried to test Jesus, just like Satan tested Jesus in the wilderness. As I read this passage this week, I thought to myself, uh, how many times do we function like the Pharisees uh, and demand a God to move and act? Uh, Has there ever been a point in time in your life when you have functioned in such a way that said, God, I want you to do something and I want you to do it right now? I was talking with a good friend earlier this week and uh, he mentioned to me, he said, James, we believe that we are entitled to to have spiritual experiences on demand. And there was just something about that 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 resonated with my soul. We function like we are entitled to have spiritual experiences on demand. Have you ever had a spiritual experience before? Uh, And what I mean by a spiritual experience, I know I say that and some people are going, yes, I've had plenty of spiritual experiences and other people hear spiritual experience and they're going whoa like that just that gives you the heebie-jeebies a little bit that makes you nervous some but when I talk about spiritual experiences I'm just talking about a point in time in your life when you saw God move like a point in time in your life when you saw God act in in an unusual or significant way I think God is gracious to give us these spiritual experiences um, often There's times where maybe you find yourself uh, on a vacation and you're exhausted and you're tired and you get to go to the beach for a weekend and you wake up one morning nice and early and you walk out to the beach and you see the sunrise 
in the morning. And for whatever reason, that particular day, God has you at that place in that moment, and you watch the sunrise, and you go, God, thank you so much for revealing yourself to me in, in what is very common. Right? There, there's something about that experience that rests in your soul and it's significant for you. The sun rises and the sun sets each and every day, but for whatever reason, you see it on that particular day, and you just go, Lord, thank you for that. Have you ever had an experience like that before? Maybe you come to church on a Sunday morning and you participate in worship and, and you sing a song that you've sung hundreds, if not thousands of times before. You've heard it on the radio. You sing it out loud in the shower. You come to church and you sing that same song. But for, for whatever reason, on this particular day, God has you in a place where th that just ministers to your soul. There, there's, there's a word, there's a phrase, there's a chorus and, and it, just, it just hits you where you are. It's like a, a spiritual experience. Uh, maybe you find yourself opening the Word and spending time in the Word in the morning or at night, and you, you read a passage that you've heard hundreds, if not thousands of times before, but for whatever reason, that particular day, like where God has you in life and the circumstances that surround you, it, it just hits you in a unique way, and it's it's as if God is giving you this spiritual experience. Those experiences, those moments can be moments of grace that God gives uh, to us. They uh, can be good, but they uh, become bad when they become the expectation for us. When, when we function in such a way where, where we say, God, you, you have to do that for me again. That, that, that moment I had on the beach, on that particular vacation, where the sun was always shining, where it was 78 degrees, where it didn't rain, where the food was inexpensive, where the service was fast. God, I want that again. Like, do that again. And then if he doesn't, there's this disappointment in our souls. Right? Or, we, or we have this moment in worship where we're, we're just pouring over with, with passion and we're excited about the Lord and we're content in our relationship with Him. And we say, God, that, that experience that I had back then, whether it was a week ago or a year ago or decades again, we say, you've you got to do that again. That moment in the Word, we say, you, you have to do that same thing that you did that Thursday. I, I want you to do that again. And then if God doesn't, we get pretty disappointed. Maybe we get distraught. Maybe we, we start functioning or acting like the Pharisees did, where they demanded a sign. We have a mentality with God that says, what have you done for me lately? I mean, we see God's track record of faithfulness. We see his goodness. We see his kindness. We see his grace extended uh, in our lives, in our stories. But for whatever reason, we're like, God, you you better show up like now. The Pharisees did this to Jesus, and Jesus responds in a way that, that may surprise you. It says in verse 12 that Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Jesus had given them uh, plenty of signs. And then he said, truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And then Jesus does something unexpected. It says, and he left them. And he got into the boat and he went to the other side. Right? Jesus, in essence, said, I'm not going to play your game. Right? I, I'm not going to perform a miracle on demand. I'm not going to jump through your hoops 
Uh, Jesus had revealed himself to the people time and time and time again, and yet the people were dissatisfied. They wanted more, and Jesus was unwilling to give it in that moment. Jesus works, but he does not work on demand. Uh, There are other times when Jesus works, but sometimes we fail to see. We fail to see his work in front of us. That was the case with the disciples. It wasn't uh, just the, the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees. It was the people that were closest to Jesus. It was the disciples, the people who walked with him. Look at verse 14 in Mark chapter 8. It says, Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. You remember what what just happened before this, right? Feeding of the 4,000. So that just happened. They get in the boat, but they forget to bring the bread. They only have one loaf with them. And verse 15 says, And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Isn't it amazing that sometimes the people that were closest to Jesus, the people that walked with Jesus, didn't initially see uh, who Jesus was or even what Jesus was doing? Right? The disciples, the, the people that walked with him and followed him and left everything uh, to be with him are the very ones that see Jesus uh, up close and personal, doing miraculous things, and yet uh, they do not see Jesus is teaching the disciples about the teaching of the Pharisees and the teaching of Herod like a loving father. He's he's saying to his his spiritual children, be be on the lookout for them. Like they're they're, they're bad news, be be careful. He's in essence saying that their teaching uh, is evil. It will will lead you astray. Be, Be careful what you listen to. Jesus is teaching them this spiritual lesson, and, and yet the disciples respond in verse 16. It says, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. <laughs> I just, man, like, that's, that's us. Like, that's me. Like, there's this spiritual lesson. There's this spiritual application that Jesus is trying to draw out for the disciples. He's like, be warned. Uh, be on the lookout for them. They're they're no good. Be cautious. Their teaching will lead you astray. And the disciples look around and go, man, I'm I'm hungry. Are you hungry? I'm hungry. Do you have any bread? I can't believe we forgot the bread. He just made all the bread. We only have one loaf of bread. I feel like we, we do that oftentimes in life. There's this spiritual lesson that God's trying to teach us. He's trying to get our attention and we're just... Our stomachs are growling and we're distracted or bored or there's something else that's more appealing to us. And and Jesus is telling them, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And and do you not remember? Jesus is like, we've walked together. We've, We've been together. Do you not see what I am doing? Do you not see who I am? Uh, occasionally I'll find myself in the kitchen putting together a recipe. And when I say occasionally, I mean it's, 
just happened a couple times, but uh, this one particular time, I had the recipe, and I was looking for ingredients, and I needed some, uh, some spices, so I opened up the pantry door, and I'm looking for, I'm looking for the oregano, and I, I don't see it, and so I shout to Melissa. I'm like, Melissa, where's the, where's the oregano? Where's the oregano? And she goes, what? I'm like, the oregano, I can't find it. She's like, the oregano? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, the oregano. Like, where, where is it? I don't see it. She's like, it's on the spice rack. And I'm like, I know, I'm looking at the spice rack. And she's like, hold on a second. And she walks downstairs, and she opens up the pantry door, and she opens, looks at the spice rack, and she grabs the oregano, and she's like, here it is right here. Like, eye level, like right, like the oregano is like 5'7", right? It's right staring me at the face, and I, and I, don't, and I don't see it. In our house, we call it man eyes. Right? There are times when I go looking for something and I don't find it. And I come back days later and I'm like, I still don't see where it is. And she's like, it's right there. And she'll grab it for me. Oh, you ever suffer from, from man eyes? I mean, spiritually speaking, has there ever been a time where God's been working in your life? I mean, you've, you've seen him move. You've seen him act, but, but you, you don't see. And it's right, it's right there. It's right before you. It's right before me. This is what Jesus is saying to his disciples. I'm working right in front of you. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And, And do you not remember? Those closest to Jesus... Um, didn't always see Jesus' work. They, they missed it. And I, and I feel like oftentimes we miss it too. Like God, God works in our hearts and our lives in, in millions of different ways, and we see like, like this many of them. Right? And sometimes the few that we, we see, we, we almost immediately forget. We're so, <laughs> we're so forgetful. You ever look back in your life and say, man, I, I see how God uh, cared for me during that season of transition. Right? But then when it comes time for the next transition, you're like, <laughs> anxiousness and restlessness. Right? You see how God has provided financially for you or for your family or for your loved ones. But the, the next time something unexpected comes up, you're going, oh gosh, how are we going to do it? How are we going to get by? How are we going to make it happen? Well, God... God has this track record of faithfulness. Or you see how God has cared you and he's, he's loved you and he's been good to you. But it doesn't take long for us to forget the very thing that he did like yesterday or the day before, the week before. I feel like we're much like the disciples. We see Jesus doing great things before us and yet we, we don't see Jesus works, but Jesus doesn't work on demand. Uh, Jesus works, but sometimes we fail uh, to see. Uh, Jesus works, but sometimes it takes time. Uh, Jesus works, but sometimes it takes time. It takes time uh, to see. Verse 22 reads, And then they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, 
uh, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him home, saying, Do not uh, even enter the village. I believe that Jesus is using the healing of a blind man to to teach a greater spiritual lesson. Certainly, uh, he wants to do something miraculous in the heart and the life of this blind man, but I think he also uh, wants to teach his disciples uh, a lesson. I think he wants to show them something uh, that is true. You see, Jesus uh, wasn't faced with a particular case that was above him or beyond him. It's, it's not like Jesus went to heal this man and spit on his eyes and tried to give him sight, but it, it, it didn't quite take. Right? It's not like Jesus was insufficient in his ability to work in this man's heart or life. I think he was doing something in this man's life, but I think he was teaching the disciples a valuable lesson as well. Um, I, I think he was teaching his disciples that spiritual understanding oftentimes does not come instantaneously, uh, but gradually. Uh, To put it another way, the point of faith is oftentimes a process of faith. And what I mean by that is this. Oftentimes our stories, our point of faith, the time when we realize God's work in our hearts and in our lives, when our eyes are open to the beauty of the gospel, oftentimes uh, it is a process for us to get there. Uh, Many times we don't see the whole process or we don't understand the whole process. We don't understand all the events and all the people that God has used to form us and shape us and bring us to a point of faith. But we find ourselves uh, at this point of faith and yet we fail to to realize that uh, there were thousands of conversations. There were hundreds of Sunday school uh, hours. There were uh, messages. There were books. There were friends. There were all these events in life that led up uh, to this moment. Oftentimes, our point of faith uh, is a process of faith. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Uh, God uses conversations and people and events in life to form and shape us and bring us to the point where he has us today. Let me tell you what that does in our hearts and in our souls. I think it uh, grants to us uh, patience, and I think it allows us to be persistent. Uh, It gives us patience because we realize the the person that we've been sharing the gospel with or the person that we've been talking to about Jesus that has little or no interest, it does not mean that they are a lost cause. God may have you in their lives crossing paths with them just to be a part of their story. Uh, Maybe you are part of the process of faith uh, in their hearts and in their lives. What that does is it allows us uh, to be patient. We don't throw our hands up in defeat and think to ourselves, well, there's no hope for him, Uh, there's no hope for her, because oftentimes faith is a process. And what that does is it allows us uh, to be persistent. So instead of giving up, instead of thinking to ourselves, there's no hope for them, We can have another conversation. We can send another email. We can have another phone call. We can go out for another lunch. We can have another coffee. Because maybe, just maybe, God is allowing us to be part of their story. I think, uh, in part, what God is doing here when uh, he heals this blind man is that he's showing that, that sometimes a spiritual sight is not instantaneous. Right, right. Sometimes there's this process that God is doing in our hearts and in our lives where we reach a point where by the Holy Spirit, he opens our eyes and quickens our dead hearts. But, but many times, uh, it takes a number of conversations. It takes 
a number of messages. It takes a number of events for us to get to that point. So Renaissance, my question uh, for you this morning as we think about uh, this passage is, is I wonder, um, do, you, do you find yourself um, in, in any of these characters? Like when you, when you think about the characters here in Mark chapter 8, when you think about the Pharisees, is there any part of your heart or your soul or your faith story where you think to yourselves, you know what, I'm just kind of sitting back waiting for God to do something spectacular. Right, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're on the outside of faith, you're considering the faith, you're wrestling with the faith, but, but there isn't necessarily buy-in for you. And maybe when you read about the Pharisees, you go, yeah, I kind of feel that way. I'm kind of sitting back and I'm demanding God to show up. I'm demanding God to do something spectacular. I'm demanding God to move and act. My challenge to you is maybe, just maybe, um, the God of the universe already has. Like, maybe he already has. Like, maybe he's already revealed himself in his word by his spirit to you. Maybe there are stories that you can read. Maybe there are instances in your own heart and in your life uh, where God has shown up. And maybe, just maybe, uh, we don't see those. Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you are like the disciples. You suffer from what I suffer from. You suffer from man-eyes. Right? God, God's worked, he's done something in your heart, he's done something in your life, but for whatever reason, you, you don't see it. And God's going, do you, do, you, do you not understand? Do you see but not see? Do you, do you hear but not hear? Do you, do you listen but not understand? Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you feel like you're, you're one of those that can see dimly uh, but not clearly. Right? There, there's this part of you that in your heart and hearts, of your heart of hearts, when it's quiet, when you don't feel the pressure of the people, when you uh, go home in the afternoon or late at night and your house is quiet or still, like there's this part of you that says, boy, I, th- I think this is true. Like, I, I think Jesus is who he said he was. I think he did what this word says that he did. But, but maybe you feel like you just don't quite see uh, clearly. Listen, my prayer for you this morning is, regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum, that, that the gospel would be good news for you this morning. Um, the gospel means good news. It is good news for those who are broken, for people uh, who are sinners, people like me and people uh, like you. The gospel teaches us that we were born in uh, to sin. There was nothing that we could do through our own actions uh, that would be impressive to God. Uh, we said and did and thought things that were contrary to God's rules, to his commands. Uh, scripture says that God is just and he is holy. And so he can't simply ignore our sin or turn a blind eye to sin. He doesn't sit back and go, hey, it's not a big deal. There are other people who are worse. You see, God is just and he is holy, but he is also merciful and he is gracious. And so God sent his son Jesus, fully God and fully man, uh, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, the sins, the punishment for sin that belonged to me and to you uh, was placed upon uh, Christ. Uh, Jesus was buried, but he did not stay in the grave. Uh, He rose again, defeating death and offering uh, to us life. 
Uh, my prayer for you is that you would experience and enjoy uh, the new life that God has given to us, that God would give uh, you this morning eyes to see. Uh, if you are here this morning and you would readily admit, hey, I'm on the outskirts of faith, but I don't know if I'm uh, committed yet, I want you to know that I would love uh, to have the great joy and privilege of praying for you this morning. Uh, on your seats, there is a connection card when you came in. If you could fill that out and write, man, I want to trust Christ, or I'd like to talk to someone about Christ and place it in the basket when it's passed around. Um, I'd love to have the great joy and privilege of having a conversation with you uh, today about what that means. If you're here this morning and would love uh, to pray with someone, I would love the great joy uh, of doing that as well. May God give you and me this morning uh, eyes to see. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for uh, your grace and for your goodness to us. Thank you that uh, you have uh, given to us, Jesus, uh, that in our, our great need, uh, you met us in our need. At our very worst, you gave us uh, your best. Uh, thank you for uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And thank you for the life that uh, is given to us because of his good and perfect work. God, if there are folks here this morning who, uh, who do not have a relationship with Jesus, who, who uh, do not have faith, Lord, I pray that you would pour faith into their hearts uh, by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would open uh, their eyes so that they might see you clearly. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.